good morning. And uh, y'all, y'all pray for me because I'm sure as we move through this, I'll be looking around and I'll see someone that I wasn't expecting to see and it'll throw me off. So y'all be praying for me. Uh, I, I was really excited about being here until I saw the sign. And then I realized that whoever he had invited first couldn't come. And so he made a sticker and put my name over it. <laughs> and so I was a little... A little, you know, a little disconcerting. Go, man, you're number two. We're really grateful for you. You're awesome. So uh, I, I really am uh, thrilled and very privileged to be here. Uh, I just am so, so grateful uh, for for all that God has done and for the way that He's worked in our lives. And uh, just thank you, thank you, thank you. I just realized, wow. So, just a lot's going on, so let's pray. Lord, we just come to you right now in the name of Jesus, and uh, we're so desperate for you. We need you so much. We, I need you so much, Lord. I have never felt more uh, vulnerable, more weak, more enabled than I do in this moment right now. Lord, your word says in our weaknesses, you are strong. In our brokenness, in our desperation, Lord, you you promise to be there. And so, Lord, I confess to you right now, there is no way I can do what needs to be done. There's no way I can say what needs to be said unless you say it, unless you do it. And Father, I want to thank you that you're already here, that you already want to do abundantly above all we could ask or think. Lord, just bring us to a place this morning. Move us forward just a little bit that that we would want you to do what you want to do. That we'd be willing to say yes to what, what you want. Oh, Lord, we need you. Oh, Lord, we need you. So speak to us now and lead us and guide us. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bible open with me to the book of Acts, uh, I don't know, I think Jamie shared some of this with you. I'm going to be just working my way through a few passages in the book of Acts. We're going to begin with Acts chapter 1. I'm going to read through verses, uh, through verse 11. Just real quickly, uh, again, I'm so honored to be here. I uh, Probably the most encouraging thing that could happen is for someone who's known me as long and as deep as Jamie has known me and still be willing to be seen with me in public is, is pretty amazing. And, uh, and I, truly, I truly mean that. And for him to invite me to come and speak is overwhelming. And then Bobby Bird, for you to make your way over here and to come and pray for me while I preach that. I appreciate that so very, very much. So thank you. Thank you very, very much. So here we go. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. 
He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of God. So, we are talking about inspire, we're talking about authentic uh, Christianity, uh, living God faithfully and fully and serving Him and giving ourselves to Him completely, about inspiring and encouraging other people to follow Jesus. And so this morning, my, my challenge, I, I think what God wants to use me to do is to just, just challenge you about some real fundamentals, some real basics of, of the things that are supposed to be inspiring us, that are supposed to be motivating us, the things that are supposed to be working into the fabric of our life and changing how we live day after day after day. And so I bring you to this first passage uh, to challenge you about fundamental number one. We must operate with, with an ongoing anticipation of the second coming of Jesus. I believe the, the apostles, I believe the thing that motivated them is that they had been absolutely uh, persuaded and convinced and delivered, if you will, by the resurrection of Jesus. And so they had two things that, that moved them very powerfully. One of them was the resurrection of Jesus because they had seen him, because they had spoken with him, they'd had breakfast with him, they'd had meals with him. His resurrection was very real in their life. And that's what most historians and most theologians point to as a thing that absolutely radically transformed who they were and how they lived. They saw him alive again. It was the resurrection. Well, the second thing that had such an incredible motivating factor in their life is they believed he was coming back. They were thoroughly convinced that Jesus was coming back. And if you read your way through the New Testament, you will begin to pick up on the idea that they had one eye toward heaven all of the time. You begin to read anybody's, anybody's words about the second coming. Paul just knew it was going to happen anytime. John thought it was going to happen anytime. Peter thought it was going to happen anytime. They were all living with this anticipation of the second coming of Jesus. So as believers who are going to follow Jesus faithfully, we're going to live with a, with a real deep appreciation for the second coming of Jesus. Now, you like me have been being told for a long, long time that Jesus is coming back. Amen? Some of us probably thought that he would have come back by now, right? How many of you wish he would come back now? 
Strangest thing happened in the life of my daughter. She's 30 years old. Uh, she was born while I was serving there uh, at Mount Calvary. And uh, for the longest time, as she started to reach adulthood, she just, just, you know, prayed, Lord, please don't come back till I can get married. Please don't come back till I can get married. And now that she's married, she doesn't start praying, oh, Lord, please come back. <laughs> I, I don't know what that says about marriage, but maybe, maybe some of you will take something away from that. But, but we're supposed to have a healthy appreciation for the second coming of Jesus. But, but let, me, let me caution you, not in predicting not in predicting. That is not the purpose of Scripture. That's not the purpose of the promises. That's not the purpose of Revelation. Is to give us some skill at predicting the second coming. That, that's not it. That's not the motivation of the second coming. It's not the prediction. It's the preparation. It's the preparation. I heard someone, I heard someone say it this way, that they were, not on the wel- they were not on the planning committee for the second coming of Jesus. They were on the welcoming committee. So I wonder how many of us this morning are on the welcoming committee for the second coming. I, I wonder if there is any, any place, any person in this room this morning who, who might would need to say, you know what, God, one of the things I need for you to do for me is to rekindle in me an appreciation and an awareness of the second coming. Because let me tell you what's going to happen in the second coming. There's going to be judgment. Judgment. The Bible is very clear about how we are going to give an account for our lives and for how we have lived. And a New Testament believer, these people in the New Testament and those of us who call ourselves New Testament believers, we're going to live with an understanding that we're not getting just a free pass, that we're not just tripping along through life enjoying all the things we want to, but we are living under the calling of a high and holy God. And he has called us to be holy and we're going to stand before him one day and we're going to give an account for everything that we've done both good and and bad. Everything that we say and do, everything everywhere that we go, everything that's a part of our life, we're going to stand before a high, holy, righteous God and give an account for how we have lived our lives. And a believer, a person who's going to be living the kind of life that God has called us to live, we're going to have an appreciation for the second coming because we know we are living our lives, racing toward a moment when we will stand before God and we will give an account for Him. We will give an account to Him. I noticed that y'all have been praying through Second uh, Chronicles seven fourteen, and I, uh, Jamie was so gracious to send me uh, a copy of that, and so I've been praying along with you. And in Second Chronicles seven fourteen, you all know what it says. You've been praying it piece by piece as you've gone along day by day. But it just so happened that I'm, I'm, I use a little devotion guide that that gives me sometimes just a little verse of scripture. And uh, a, a lady from Mount Calvary gave it to me years ago, decades ago, and, and it's still having an impact on my life. And I, I was flipping coins just then to decide whether or not I was going to tell you who it, what it is. It's the watchtower. No, I'm kidding. It's, it's some of you are going, what? I don't even know what that is. Uh, it's called My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. Anybody in here ever heard of my utmost for his highest? Okay, so about eight of you. Uh, let me encourage the rest of you to become familiar with that. But I was just reading in it this week. It, it was coming up to it. And in Second Chronicles 15, 17. Don't turn there, please, because uh, I might get it wrong. Uh, in Second Chronicles 15, 17, 
it's, it's talking about the transition of when Asa became king of Judah. And it, and it told us some really interesting things about him. And it, and it said that Asa, you know, feared the Lord and he did what was right before the Lord. His own mother was an idol worshiper. And, and there in chapter 15, it gives us some details about how he went and took the, the idols of his mother and tore them down and destroyed them and burned them. But then there's just this little phrase, and this was the phrase that Oswald Chambers picked up on to challenge us about. And he said, it said, Asa, you know, follow the Lord in all of his ways, except this. He allowed some of the high places to remain. They were not areas of, of active, ongoing, intentional sin, but they were just doors that had been left open that would allow Satan to come in, that would allow temptation to come in, allow some stronghold to get into their life that, that would lead them away. Asa had left some of the high places. And so this morning, I just want to remind you that in anticipation of the second coming, because I want to tell you, I do believe he's coming back. I don't know if it'll be today or not. I will clear my schedule if he'd like to. Amen? I'm, I'm free and ready to go. Y'all can have church tonight without me. Jamie will preach and we'll be all good to go. <laughs> I, I, I fool myself with thinking I have a sense of humor. I don't know. Thank y'all for, for confirming that. But ladies and gentlemen, we must live our lives understanding that, that Jesus is coming back. And there's something should sober us and should get us our attention. And that is that we're going to give account to him. And this morning, maybe one of the things the Holy Spirit would do is he would point out in your life, he would say, you know what? Here is a high place in your life. It's something that used to have prominence, but, but, but it's not quite so prominent anymore. But, but what's wrong is you have left the door open. I'm pretty sure I'm standing here looking out at an audience, and there's probably not a lot of bank robbers in this room. Probably not, of you, not, not a lot of you were probably at the gambling table last night. None of you drank yourself into oblivion last night and have come in here uh, hungover. You know, if, if you're hungover, raise your hand. I'll lower my voice. I just, I just want to know how to pray for you and encourage you. But I don't feel like I'm looking at a bunch of wicked, awful, terrible people, except for the handful that Jamie mentioned. And you've got to listen. You've got to listen. But I guarantee you, there is in every one of our lives a high place. I guarantee you there's an area in every one of our lives where, where we are desperately in need to surrender something to God, to give something over to Him because He's wanting to take that out of our life because as long as that remains in our life, Satan will have a stronghold, he will have an inroad, and he will have a way to destroy your life. If you were to keep reading about Asa, what you would discover is that at the end of Asa's life, Asa developed a terrible foot problem. Maybe it was gout. Who knows what it was? Could have been arthritis, but whatever it was. But it's an interesting statement that it makes about Asa, and it says, Asa never sought the Lord for healing. We're going to talk about God willing. We're going to talk about several different things as we move forward this week. And, and we're going to get to maybe some of those high places, some of those things that you've just kind of forgotten about, that you're no longer paying attention to, that, that, that you don't realize are affecting your life, but they are. Just one quick more, one more quick illustration, and I'll move on. A friend of mine back in, uh, in 
Indian Trail, uh, where I'm serving now. Uh, this gentleman has long died. And, but I, I walked up to him one day, and I said, uh, his name was Raymond. I said, Raymond, uh, are you okay? And he said, yeah, why? I said, well, you were limping. He said, oh, I, that thing's been hurting me so long, I don't even realize I'm limping. There could be something in your life, and you don't even realize you're giving to it. That, that's what limping is. Limping is there's something wrong, and it's causing you pain, and you, you are giving to it. You are limping to it, and you can come to the point where you don't even realize you're doing it anymore. And so I'm praying and preaching this morning that the Holy Spirit would so quicken you about the second coming and about the fact that you will stand before Him and give an account for everything that you're doing in your life and that you will make sure and that the Holy Spirit will bring you to a place where you will deal with those, those high places in your life. That you will deal with those areas of your life that you've been giving in to so long you don't even realize you're still giving in. Because they are there. That's fundamental one, number one. The fundamental of the believer's life is we must, we must live with a genuine awareness and appreciation for the second coming of Jesus, not that we might predict it or, or try to scare anybody with it, but we would just keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and make sure that we're following him, understanding that one day we will give an account to him and we will look to him and lean into him and call on him and he will examine our lives. I believe the second fundamental thing that we need to be keenly aware of is the filling of the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to chapter 2, verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit... Is my time up? <laughs> is, is, that, is that what I need to listen for? Is that... Okay. All right. Sorry. I'm new here. This is my first time. So, and, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Well, I could talk to you about, you know, speaking in tongues and, and, and get a bunch of you really messed up and, and scared and we, we won't do that. And you, you've all seen extremes and you've all seen abuses and you've all seen people claiming something was of God and it wasn't of God and claiming that something was a working of the Holy Spirit and it wasn't the working of the Holy Spirit. But, but there's one thing that you cannot get away from here in these first four verses of chapter 2 and it is that it is the will of God to fill us with the Holy Spirit. If you go to Ephesians chapter 5, you, you will hear Paul writing to the church and he'll say, be not uh, filled with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I don't know where you are on, on the whole idea of the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you where God is on the Holy Spirit. He took Jesus and sent the Holy Spirit. So as far as God's concerned... You just swap those out as equals. They're the same. 
Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So if you've got some issues about who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit is, let's just be real clear. He's he's the third person of the Trinity. And so if if you're going to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, if you're going to love Jesus with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, then you, you better love the Holy Spirit with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength and be as absolutely surrendered to Him and saturated with Him as you can possibly be. And so if we're going to be a New Testament believer, if we're going to be living the life that's going to inspire change in others, it's going to make a difference in other people's life, uh, then we're going to need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Man, I, I read something just this morning, and it just really, really convicted me. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll convict you. Some of you have invited people to church, right? I won't have you to raise your hand because I'm about to hit you with a baseball bat. All, all of you have, have invited someone to church, right? And, and they either said no or they just never came. You invite them, come to church, come to church, man, come, come, this is going on, this is going on, this is happening, this is great, and this is good. And they just never come. And, and this person, in just the real narrow perspective, I'm sure this pertains to nobody in this room, but, but, he, but the person who wrote this said, said, could it be that the reason people don't come with you when you invite them to church is they don't want what you have? Maybe if you are the real advertisement for First Baptist Church, the reason somebody won't come when you invite them is because they're afraid they will become like you. They will become as, as hard-hearted as you are, become as judgmental as you are, become as, as ill-tempered as you are, to become as unkind as you are, to be so free of the fruit of the Spirit as you are. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got to be filled with the Spirit of God. We've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to function in any way that God has called us to. We cannot do it in our own strength. We cannot do it on our own. If we are doing it on our own, then we never needed Jesus. And so in the heart of of an authentic believer, someone who is going to inspire life in other people is going to inspire other people to want to come to Christ, to inspire other people to want to follow and, and, and become all that God has saved you to be, you're going to have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that begins with confession and repentance. And so in order for us to practice number two, we're going to have to make sure we're practicing number one. And, and number one is making sure that we understand there's a holy God coming one day and we're going to rise to stand before him and give an account for the way we live. So we're going to start living like no daddy's coming home. Can I get a witness? Going to live like I know daddy is coming home. I don't know about you, but I had certain things that I had to have happen before my daddy came home. Because when my daddy came home, if I had everything done, it was going to be a happy reunion. But if I did not have those things done when he got home, I'm not kidding. I grew up old. I am 61 years old. I know I look amazing for that age. I've, I've decided I've started going to tell, tell people I'm 81 years old, <laughs> right? And they're going to go, wow, you look amazing for 81. I go, right? I grew up old school. I grew up poor. I was 10 years old before I realized my mom was cutting my sister's dresses in half and giving me a new shirt. That's not true. 
I did grow up in a culture, in a situation where I thought if I did not do what my daddy said do, he could kill me and the sheriff would give him a certificate. Now, I'm not kidding about that. I was sure to my soul that my daddy could kill me and the sheriff would come by and go, good job. One less heathen to have to take care of. I really did grow up that way. And so if I'm going to be a fundamental, truly following Jesus kind of believer, living like the apostles lived, I'm going to live with this deep awareness that he is coming back and I want to make sure when he comes back, I am living like he called me to live and then I'm going to realize that the only way I can live the way he wanted me to live, do what he wanted me to do, accomplish what he wanted me to accomplish, I'm going to have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if I don't know what that means, I'm going to find out what it means. If I don't, if I don't understand how that works, then I'm going to find out how that works. But I'm going to give myself to doing and becoming and believing and receiving into my life everything that God tells me to do. And he's telling me to live like he's coming back and to live filled with his Holy Spirit. And so if I were to ask you this morning, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? And you were to say, I don't know, then the answer is no. And if the answer is no, why not? Why not? Benny, how can, how can we ever hope to stand before a holy God and present our lives to Him and not have surrendered ourselves to be filled with the Holy Spirit? How could you read your New Testament and not read about all of the things that only the Holy Spirit can do in our life? How can you claim to be a follower of Jesus and not be desperate to be filled with the Holy Spirit? So what we're moving forward toward is we're going we're to come back and, and drill down and, and, and get rid of the, the excesses of our life. We're going to make sure that we're living our lives like we expect to stand before a holy God. We're going to live our lives like we understand the only way we can stand pure and clean before a holy God is to make sure that he is filling us with the Holy Spirit. And then, then we're going to take a look at the last thing, and that is... What, what we need to be praying and asking God to do in our lives so that we can truly, truly, truly follow Him and obey Him. So, chapters 3 and 4. Y'all ready? What time are y'all hoping to get out? Sometime between 1 and 2. Your pastor said sometime between 1 and 2. All in favor of that, raise your hand. Yeah. I believe you just lost them, brother. I think so. <laughs> Seriously, give me a target to land this thing. It's, a, it's 11.30. Have y'all heard enough? <laughs> okay. All right, let me give you one more. Chapters 3 and 4 is an amazing story of Peter and John on their way back to the temple for prayer time. They still... They, Christianity as we know it has, has not yet formulated. It is not, the way we practice it has not yet begun. They're still following an Old Testament uh, temple ritual pattern. And, and 
so they don't know anything else to do but keep doing things the way they've done them. And so they, they start going to the temple at particular times and they're going to pray. And it's the amazing story of the man sitting there and saying, you know, alms, alms. And Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give by thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. How many remember that old song, right? Beautiful old song. And so that happens, and the crowd goes wild, and they start coming from everywhere, and the Pharisees start losing their mind, and they, they end up arresting Peter and John and putting them in prison and, and challenging them about, uh, about what they should do and, and how they should live and what they should, should do and shouldn't do. And uh, here's what they prayed. Go down to verse 29. They've been arrested. Let's, let's jump at 23. I'll read fast. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported that the chief priests and the elders had said to them, and when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the... Say those two words. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought more of y'all could read than that. I really am shocked. So it says, your servant said by the Holy Spirit, thank both of you. Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain and the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against the anointed? For truly in this city there were, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. That will rock your theology right there. To do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place and now Lord... Here Here's the prayer. Here's what they're praying for. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow, look at that. Isn't that crazy? And continue to speak the word of God with boldness. So here's the first fundamental. You're going to live like you believe Jesus is coming back and you're going to stand before him and give an account for the way you've been living your life. You're going to come to step number two. You're going to come principle number two and realize there's no way that you can live the kind of life that's going to be pleasing to Jesus without being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so beginning today, like never before, you're going to be praying for God to get sin out of your life and fill you with the Spirit and continue that flow until you are clean and surrendered and full of the Holy Spirit. And then, then when that happens... We're getting down to the fundamentals. I'm looking forward to Jesus coming. I'm going to be filled with his Holy Spirit. That only leaves me one thing to do, and that is tell someone else about Jesus. Has anybody ever wondered why God doesn't just allow the preacher to drown us in the baptismal pool? If God did not want you to do something, if he didn't want you to live in obedience, if he didn't want you to go and tell, if he didn't want you to live in, in surrender and bear the fruit of the Spirit and do all of those amazing things that we learn about in the Scripture, then why didn't the pastor just drown drowned us in the baptismal pool? Because let me ask you a quick question. What difference in the kingdom of God have you made since you were baptized? What difference? 
There were people who used to come to church at First Baptist. I won't mention their name because I don't know them. People used to come to First Baptist Church and they stopped coming for a while. And here's what they said to their neighbor. Nobody from that church even called to see where I was. Nobody down there even missed me. I wonder if it ever occurred to them that the reason nobody ever missed them is because they were not making a Holy Spirit difference in anybody's life. Let me ask you, if you disappeared from First Baptist Church, what difference would it make other than giving us a new spot for someone to sit? reason I'm smiling is I, I smile in the face of danger because all of y'all look like you'd like to kill me right now. What difference am I making? What am I doing boldly in the name of Jesus? What am I, what am I filled with the Spirit? What is there about my life that says I am so anticipating the second coming and I am so filled with the Holy Spirit that I can't help but tell others about what Jesus has done in me? Maybe it's because Jesus hasn't done anything lately in you. And so if I'm understanding this week, if I'm understanding what we're doing here and what we're hoping to accomplish, that is to see us come to a place where we are going, you know what, God, I want nothing more to live my life in such a way that, it, that I can stand before you unashamed and unafraid when you come back. Can you do that this morning? Can you, can you say with all of your heart that you are ready to stand before a high holy God and give account for your life? Is there, is there nothing in your life that needs to change before you stand before a high and holy God? If there is something that needs to change, then that is why we're here today. That's why we're going to be here this week is to see us navigate that path till we come to the place where there is nothing that we're ashamed of when we stand before God. Maybe we want to come to that place this week where, where we want God to so work in our life and so fill us with the Holy Spirit that, that our life is a toxic environment for sin. And sin just can't live. It cannot thrive. It cannot survive in our life because of the presence of the Holy Spirit making us holy, bearing His fruit through us, transforming who we are, causing us to be new creations. Everything that the New Testament teaches that we want Jesus to fill us with His Holy Spirit so that we can be different than we've ever come. And then finally, that we would speak the Word of God with boldness. This is it. This is a prayer that I, I think we need to begin to pray. It goes like this. God, give me an opportunity to speak your name today. I don't know how good your memory is, so we're going we're gonna to do this till everybody's got it, and we're going to test you one by one until <laughs> you can repeat it. Dear God, give me an opportunity to speak your name into someone's life today. Second part of that prayer, God, would you give me an opportunity 
to speak your name in the life of someone today and the wisdom to recognize it. And the wisdom to recognize it. God, would you, would you, would you give me the opportunity to speak the, the name of Jesus into someone's life today? Would you give me the wisdom to recognize it? Because that's important. Would you say, Jamie? Would you say it's important to know that the Holy Spirit is leading you, and so you're prime and you're looking for an opportunity, and, and you want to make sure that you are joining the Holy Spirit in what He's doing, and so you're wanting Him to give you wisdom to, to know when to speak it. And then here's the third, here's the, here's the coup de grace, here's the big piece. God, would you give me an opportunity to speak your name into someone's life today? Would you give me the wisdom to know when I find that opportunity? And then here's the third thing. And then, God, would you give me the courage to do it? The boldness. Can I tell you the only reason we do not share the gospel is because we are cowards? We are scared? Oh, wait, there's another reason. Because we are ashamed of how we are living. There are two things that will silence you from, from, from preaching the gospel. There are two things that will si silence you from going, God, give me an opportunity, the wisdom to know it, and the courage to speak it. There's only, there's only two things that would stop you from doing that. It's a lack of courage because you are certain that if you do speak the name of Jesus, it could cost you your life. Or the reason that we are silent with the name of Jesus is because we know there is something in our life that we will be ashamed of when we are standing before a holy God and we have not yet surrendered it to the Holy Spirit so that he can change it. Because that's the only way we'll be able to speak the name in boldness. And so this morning as we, as we close in prayer together, whatever your invitation is, when I, when I ask somebody to pray, y'all real quietly sneak up here so they'll think it was magic, all right? Is there anything in your life with which you will be ashamed to stand before a high holy God? Is there anything in your life with which you will be ashamed to stand before a high holy God? Is there, a, is there a clear and obvious reason in your life for why you are not filled with the Holy Spirit? Number one is you didn't even want it. It's not even on your, it's not even in your wheelhouse, it's not in your vocabulary, it's not in the way you think, but it is the most desperate need in the church and in the believer in the world today, and that is for born-again believers to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so you would pray, God, this is in my life. I, I would be ashamed to stand before you. I would be ashamed to stand before you with this in my life. God, would you fill me with the Holy Spirit? Because the, with the Holy Spirit, it's the only way that this will ever get out of my life. Maybe you would pray a prayer like this. God, I have not. I have not dealt with this. I 
I cannot deal with this. I've failed every time I've made you a promise. I've told you so many times I was never going to do this again, only to do it again. So God, I confess to you that I have not changed. I confess to you, God, that I cannot change. And I confess to you, God, that I will not change until you do it. And so would you fill me with the Holy Spirit and wash that out of my life? Until you do that, you've got a high place. You've got an idol in your life. And then would you begin to pray right now and the rest of this week and the rest of your life, God, give me an opportunity to speak your name. Give me the wisdom to know it when I see it and give me the courage to do it. Will you pray with me? Father, I love you. I thank you for this opportunity. God, I pray that you would just convict us Holy Spirit, that you would shake this place. We read in that verse that, that when these men were praying and, and wanting you to give them boldness, that you shook the place. God, would you shake this place right now? From the back row of the balcony to the man standing here behind this desk, God, would you shake this place? Would you bring conviction? Would you bring, would you bring awareness? God, would you show us that that there's something in our life that we would be ashamed to stand before you with, God, that that thing in our life can never change unless the Holy Spirit changes it. And God, would you bring us to the place where we would actually want to speak your name with boldness and stop being the silent, disobedient sinner that we are. God, would you change us and transform us? Oh, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. I, I don't know what your custom is, but here's what I want to ask you to do. We're going to be singing a song in a moment. If it says things you need to say, then sing it. If it doesn't say the things you need to say, then you just need to start praying on your own and, and ask God to do some a work in your life. If your pastor can help you, he'll be right down here to pray with you and, and, and shepherd you through that. If, if you would like to pray with me, I will be over here out of the way. But whatever you do, do not leave this place today without asking God to give you a heart for the second coming, a heart filled with the Spirit, a heart bold to speak His name.
Christ. Jesus.